Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined by all of my awesome co-hosts this week, Shane Kelly, my bro host. How are you doing, Shane? Great. And Nate Heininger. How are you doing, Nate? Well, Reagan, my thumbs are sore, my eyes are strained, but my heart is full with the spirit of theater, and I'm so happy to talk about this game. Yes, and Laura Nash. How are you doing, Laura? I am over the moon that <laughs> you guys are actually playing this game. Um, <laughs> it's so, so fun. The game we're covering this week is Peter Panic. Uh, it is a game that Adult Swim put out in 2016, and the reason we have it done on the show is because I never dreamed that anyone else would be as into a musical theater WarioWare mashup. But WarioWare Gold yeah. came out this week, and we thought about covering it, and I instead said, hey guys, have you ever heard of this little game called Peter Panic? And I forced my love of this game upon the rest of the group, and they agreed to cover it. Hallelujah. Peter Panic. Uh, Laura, I'm a, I am offended that you, that you don't think that if you had just said... WarioWare musical theater mashup that I would not have immediately been right on board. Because <laughs> yeah. this is the first I was hearing of this game, and I am so glad we played this. This was a ton of fun. Me too. And also, Laura, <laughs> 75% of this podcast has uh, college degrees in theater. So I... Agreed. I don't know what I was thinking, because the game is so targeted at me specifically that I just never dreamed that anyone else was going to like it. This was made for me. Yeah. I, I can see where you're coming from. But that is not to say that this game is exclusively uh, of interest to people with advanced degrees in theater. Oh no, <laughs> this is a very good game that I think anybody Does would want to check out. out. So I, I was I was all ready to, to cover WarioWare Gold this week. As uh, as our listeners may guess, the WarioWare games are, you know, they're kind of special to me. And I've played a lot of them over the years in little bits. And uh, they are sort of the ultimate short game a collection of micro games. If for some reason you're not familiar with the WarioWare series, the whole idea of WarioWare is a very fast succession of uh, very simple micro games that kind of add up to an overall experience. But each individual game is this kind of cute little weird, sometimes bizarre thing that can play on strange interactions with your device, you know, with the Game Boys and DSs and so on. They'd involve all kinds of things like uh, like the microphones and touchscreens and stuff, and uh, and you'd have games about picking noses, or about stacking plates, or about I don't know, any do dozen things that, uh, that a WarioWare game kind of throws at you uh, rapid fire. This game puts all of that in a very different context. <laughs> yes, it wraps each uh, little section, um, these little suites of mini games that are, you know, five to 10 seconds, you have to survive 15 rounds of them. It wraps each one of them in a, not just a location, but a song, a musical motif, a takeoff of specific A straight musical, up musical. It's <laughs> yeah, the whole thing is a straight up musical, like, complete with underscoring and, and everything. Was developed by a guy named James Marion, and then he teamed up with uh, Ben Bonema for music and lyrics. And the two of them just fully scored, fully wrote a musical. This is on people's resumes who have Broadway credits. This is a real thing. I mean, it also does have a full suite of not just voice actors, but a voice cast. There's a cast recording. 
at least one person has been nominated for Best Actress in a Tony. So, like, this is a real thing. Yeah, and, and it sounds something like this. There's a whole wide world just waiting for cute young kids like me with expensive degrees in directing. I can't help anticipating what my life's gonna be. I see Tony Awards, chairman of boards, fans by the horde, so I'll bug my local theater until they hire me. (laughs) Yes, and... Many of the people on this podcast, for those who are familiar with our game nerdery, don't realize almost all of us have either theater degrees or close to theater degrees. So to say this was relevant yeah. is, uh, is yeah. an understatement. Expensive degrees and maybe not directing, but I do have a certificate in directing. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's pretty wild. I mean, it like the the earnesty that they go at creating like a, a full on musical experience is pretty insane uh and you were throwing out a lot of um like credits on there too they did partner with some uh other like game uh people too uh darren baranowski the guy who did the music for uh crypt of the necrodancer and me- did some super of the- meat boy yeah yeah uh and super meat boy did some of the music for this game and they also uh his name is slipping my mind right now but uh grant, a former grant Cra- uh yeah uh from crash bandicoot yeah so it's like some actual like music. Yeah, Ra- Rami too, so. uh, Ismail, I think is his last name. I always mispronounce his last name. Sorry, guy. Uh, is it makes a cameo appearance as well. He's one of the two guys that runs uh, Vlambeer. Uh, so you know, it, there's definitely a lot of like game cameos uh, in here too. But it's yeah. it it really surprised me at how much of a musical it is. I was kind of when I when I heard it was a game about putting on a musical, I figured, okay, this is it's obviously going to have some songs, right? But I wasn't really quite prepared for how this game is really set as a musical. So it begins with a, you know, a big intro number introducing the the scene, uh, you know, the 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 main character goes to the theater to try and put on a show and finds that it's in bad disrepair. And so the overall story is mostly him going around to try to find people in town who will help him with his musical, either with funding or by starring in it or what have you. And then there's a demon and (laughs) it goes on from there. But every one of these scenes has a full musical number. That's not just like a, like I've seen video games that have musical numbers in them. And very often they are just like, we're introducing a character. So that character is going to, Sing a song about how mean they are, or something like that. This is like Friggin in which beautiful. no stop stop. I gotta I gotta interrupt you there. In what video game <laughs> is a character introduced by singing a song about how mean they are? Because I, am, I, just, I want to play that video game. I am gonna right link now. I am gonna link to an episode of Laser Time. If you guys don't listen to Laser Time, it's one of my favorite podcasts. They did a whole episode maybe like a month ago that was like a entire episode on video games with musical numbers in them, or I think it was specifically on musical boss battles and they had like a whole list. So it's, it's not utterly unique, but like they're out there. Uh, They're just, you just have to turn over some rocks to find them. Well, what I was really surprised about was not just that it was musical, not just there's a big demonic twist, um, Lovecraftian, yeah, what the hell was musical. that? Why is there a demon in this game? It's, it's wonderful. Weird. It's wonderful. But not only that, but it's super dense in the jokes. 
I mean, I happen to be at that Venn diagram of a huge amount of musical theater geekery and a amount of game geekery, but they're making jokes not only about Flappy Bird and uh, pay models and banner ads and kind of the state of iOS gaming, but they're also making references to the Buffy the musical, Once More with Feeling. They're making references to Lin-Manuel Miranda. They are dropping stage manager jokes, like jokes jokes. that you will never get unless you've been a stage manager, stage manager manager jokes. Yeah. And you say stage manager, too. So when whenever you hear like a a WarioWare musical game, I was thinking, oh, actually, like the chaos of running a play or running a musical actually makes sense for like maybe that frenetic type of gameplay. So I was expecting something that is like you're the stage manager and all these little quick games are going to be like. Get the actors in place, like adjust the lights, all the yeah. That's kind of more what I was expecting too, actually. Yeah, and it's not that at all. The games are just random as hell. Yeah, like semi-related to the situation. Um, Always funny and definitely bizarre most of the time, but they're just like little things that you do to get to the next uh, musical because that is. I mean, the games are fun and they're challenging, and I think we'll talk about more more about those later. But like. They just act as little entry points to to more musical, which is what pulls you through the game. Yeah, and what I really appreciated is each time you complete a location and pick up a new person, uh, you also unlock a little scenelet in rehearsal uh, at back at the theater. So, for example, when you pick up your stage manager, who is a tour guide at the museum who loves telling people what to do, you can then go play the little... Uh, you know, finger DDR version of her calling light cues, which is such one of my favorite songs in the entire show. I so agree. That's like probably the very best thing. Hang on. Let me see if I can find that. that. Um, Yeah. Can we play that right now? Who's the best at signing all the checks? It's me. Who's the guy that everyone respects? Me again. With this Iggy Zag and loop de loop I cross my T's and I stab my eyes in the theater buy some new supplies. All thanks to my generosity. The people really love me. Yippee! I'm great. This is the minigame about signing checks. <laughs> Stand by LXQ6. LXQ6, go. Stand by LXQ7. LXQ7, go. Stand by Audio 2 and 3. Scenic 4 and LX8 through 10. Scenic 4, go. LX8, go. Audio, go and go and go. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) That's the exact audio of me calling the Dream Ballet and Carousel senior year. Oh, God. (laughs) Love it. Love it so much. There are 216 uh, cues in that number. Oh my um, Christ. That is a lot. Well, uh, that's, 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 it's so, so perfectly encapsulates so many little weird aspects of theater that I, I, I really love that. But I think even if you're not. Also, the game is fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's you're just fun to play. Pushing buttons while she's singing. It's yeah. really a jam. Yeah. It's totally a jam. And I, I love, you mentioned that, like, the sort of the structure. Like, I, I love this conceit or structure that. You know, as you progress through the plot, um, you you go to different locations, you have these musical theater numbers with these different characters and sort of recruit them to your show to to help you put on the show. And as you do that, you're adding to the theater. And at any time as you play, you can go to the theater and do a rehearsal, a show, and it plays out that number, that 
you know, it starts with the the writing checks guy bit and the 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 um, uh, stage the manager. stage manager okay. bit, yeah, and and all of the other bits, and you're sort of adding additional pieces onto this show. And at any time, you can go back and play that show, but it's incomplete until you've gotten all of the people assembled. I really kind of love that. It's uh, it's a it's a great structural idea. It 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 just makes that that collecting of people kind of feel more fun because it adds yeah. on to this big production number. You're also collecting uh, some of the best of the mini games in an arcade as well. Mm-hmm. And so you can go back and challenge those for high scores. So if you really want uh, to see how many vases you can catch in boxes of packing peanuts, uh, and just really push it to the, uh, to the extreme speeds, uh, you could do that as well, which is actually pretty fun. Yeah, and there's the VR uh, place where you can mix and match all of the uh, different levels. So, um, you know, each like set of mini games, it's maybe like five or six and you have to beat them 15 times to win. Um, And then you can randomize them in the VR. So you can do like five or six from and mix with another five or six mixed with another five or six. So you're getting a totally new experience uh, and it's kind of chaotic. I like that 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 whole VR thing where it lets you sort of remix the the games from other levels has its own soundtrack and its own intro yeah. and it's a, it's it's its own whole separate thing which kind of makes it feel fresh even if it is just sort of a mode to replay stuff you've already played it, it still kind of has some value there it's fun well i and that actually points out something i was thinking about is you know we're talking about how much music and how how much uh content is kind of like hidden in this game or buried in this game is every single set of mini games has an intro song and number uh, and then an outro song and number when you beat it, as well as an outro song and number when you die, and then an intro song and number when you're coming back from having died or failed. And actually several Uh, you failed song pieces, which usually aren't like a full song, (laughs) but like they'll be like a refrain and they'll get they'll have some of them like four or five versions of that oh you done screwed it up refrain because you're going to hear that a few times i've completely lost faith, faith in, in you, you as a, a director, director. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i've lost all faith in you as a director <laughs> it's like so yes, funny you think it's so much better than i uh, well we were just we were looking at it um the soundtrack is on spotify which is always wonderful what is there like 60 something it's oh, it's, songs it's like on there? 65 tracks and they'll it's it's well it's organized in roughly chronological order with you know different acts and so on and so each uh each kind of scene will have an intro song where they're introducing you to the story of the of the scene uh it'll have an abridged intro song which is the version that you hear if you're going into it again after having replayed it then it has the the silent not not silent but the like non the 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 music only portion exactly thank you that's the correct term the underscore for the music that you would hear while playing that scene and all of its mini games then your failure songs of which there are usually a few and then the like you're going back into it song and it, that's that's a lot of music and almost all of it has some little jokes or something in it it's a lot of music to be composed for this little four dollar uh uh three dollar iphone game yeah it's actually technically free to play but three dollars <laughs> yeah. to unlock saves and that is a huge running joke in this game and, and yeah this let's talk about the talk about uh, the this. free to play model yeah. on this because i think it's really clever 
Yeah, it, it's so it's it's almost it almost hurts itself too because you kind of don't want to pay because you want to keep in seeing uh, how they handle it ever after every. It's like a dare. Yeah, after every um scene, if you have not paid for it, the the creator uh, and the person who wrote the music come on the screen as characters and basically talk to you about how awesome it would be if you paid for the game and how risky it is to keep going because you can't save unless you buy the game. And they're like, what if you get a phone call? What if yeah. someone called you right now? <laughs> Wouldn't that be terrible? It's genius because the game is like, we're not really talking about the actual mini games right now, but they're not like easy. And so when you get through a whole set and then they come on the screen and they're like, don't you want to save? Don't you want to like support it? Don't you want to not have to play those? And you're like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so I only did like two of them before I bought it because I was like, well, I don't want to lose this progress. For sure. And I was happy to support them because it it's a wonderful game. Because so then they're, they're actual human beings, albeit pixelated <laughs> yeah. versions of them coming onto the screen yeah. and telling you, hey, we made this thing, which I, I think is charming and also kind of plays to the fact that this is you know the sort of an unusual experience that the composer yeah. is coming in talking to you as well as the, the game dev designer. literally shows up and says if you just pay for this game i can almost buy a five dollar footlong <laughs> <laughs> and you know it, it, those scenes are great and the good news is that if you do just immediately pay for it there's a place in the menus where you can go and watch all of them all there of are them. 12 <laughs> which is nuts yeah and they're they're great they're all very funny I, I i immediately did the same as you nate like as soon as i figured out oh okay this is this is something i'm gonna want to play more than a couple minutes of i immediately paid the the three dollars yeah. and there's also a couple of like bonus songs you can unlock for an extra buck i didn't do either of those i don't actually know what they are but you know if i got to the end of the game i might very potentially plug an extra dollar into the, the game to play one extra song because the songs are great yeah and these are definitely people that you want to support. I don't know a whole lot about the uh, uh, the direct, or the game creators, but just after this game, I'm like, yes, go do more. This is so unique. Well, James Marion, the game dev, act, now works at uh, Double Fine, and he suggested a uh, another game called Liz Dot Miserable um, <laughs> uh, for the Amnesia Fortnite. Unfortunately, it didn't get to be one of the prototypes picked up for production, but I hope. Somewhere, I hope he's working away yeah. at his, you know, girl trying to unlock her creativity through the power of musical theater. <laughs> I, I think this could very, I would love to see more games like this with, with sort of more like mu musical theater and video games should be together more. <laughs> I don't know. I, I will say the, one of the reasons why I didn't bring this up earlier is because when it first came out, only act one was available. So it, kind of stopped halfway through the game and you know the demon was introduced but you hadn't really gotten to play more of it like the weirdness of this game hadn't really kicked into full gear so that's something that i completely understand because a huge part of the expense of this has got to be all the voice talent and you know just Absolutely. the sheer number of games and locations but um i'm glad i mean it weirdly got featured in the app store like a month ago so maybe people are going to revisit this and take a look yeah, hey, here we are. Yeah, that's here why we we're are. here. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, sure I am a little boost. intrigued by the the fact that it was featured in the App Store. Uh, I wonder what brought that back into their minds because 
normally they're featuring the latest and greatest. And I should mention this game is not optimized for the, you know, fancy new screens on the iPhones. So uh, something else seems to have brought it up. Looked looked just uh, fine on my like plus phone. But yeah, I don't think it's probably quite optimized for the uh, for the the 10. Yeah, although I will I will give it huge props for being a game that is designed to to be able to rotate freely at any time between landscape and portrait. Um, oh yeah, that is very nice. That's, I didn't even try that. That yeah, would probably make some of the games easier. It plays. It play, You can literally rotate it at, at any time between landscape and portrait. All of the mini games are square and have a frame around them, and so you can rotate the screen Smart. at literally any time. And the the mini game itself is it, you know doesn't care. It's perfectly fine, and the game plays fine in portrait mode. Uh, but there are certain screens like the navigating around the town mode where it just worked better in landscape mode. So I'd turn my phone and it would instantly rotate, and there I was in landscape mode. And then when I was playing the uh, the um, the mini games, I usually would rotate to portrait because I'd be holding my phone in one hand and tapping with the other, and that seemed to work really well. Um, I love when games do that sort of, I don't know what, if you call that responsive design, I think that's like a term of art that probably isn't quite the right one, but like that sort of like, that's not the right one. It's not, but the the immediate (laughs) response to like, I want to turn my device around. Boom. Adaptive. Yeah, exactly. Love it. It's, it's, it's great. So I I was really, and I think it's also like definitely not an easy tech problem to solve, like being able to rotate your whole game and relay out the UI instantly for two different layouts. That's awesome. I mean, just getting that to work with audio as someone who's done iOS games, they do not play well together. So getting that to be as seamless as it is, is impressive. That's a very impressive little piece of tech with, with this. And, you know, obviously, I think probably the most impressive thing about this game is just its its composition, its music, its uh, its lyrics. Um, the the programming of it is obviously like good and competent. But like when I rotated the the device and it immediately reoriented, I was like, oh, oh, they really cared about this. <laughs> yeah, with these, I get so into like the groove with these types of games because you have to focus so hard. I had it in portrait mode, played in portrait mode for like the first hours playing. And then we were uh, doing mini games and I tried doing it in landscape. It was immediately like, I'm not ready for this type of change, even though it's just how I'm holding my thumbs. I'm like, Nope, I'm too hooked with my one hand and my thumb exactly right here because these mini games are so fast and so repetitive. You have to like memorize it. I really found that like some of them I couldn't manage unless I laid my phone down on a desk and was tapping with three or more fingers. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. 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 And I'm curious what you guys' favorite uh, location slash scene ended up being. I know some of you, Nate and I got a little farther than... uh, Yeah, I haven't quite completed the show yet, but I I really loved the, like, what did they call it? The magic, like the school scene with the, where the demon was, was, uh, was, was, um possessing the teacher and it became sort of a magic school bus parody, but with like really good music. Hang on. I'm going to play that here real quick. Mother said to fear the demon. Don't believe a word he speaks. If you do, then when you're dreaming, all you'll hear are awful shrieks. The Shriek solo. That was... Beautiful. You got the part. Oh, thank you, Peter. You know, 
I'm 18 and... What's going on? She's getting possessed by the demon! You should have listened to your mothers and feared me But in one ear and not the other You cheered me instead Now this magic bus is under my control A secret pleasure and consuming your soul I love that. I've got the theater thirst. It's so good. The demon hate hates like theater, but it's I don't know. Maybe uh, I ha- the, de- the demon is a complicated soul. I won't spoil the it plot really for you guys, but the demon uh, has some trauma in his past. <laughs> yeah. I suspect well, that as much. That's actually arguable, though, depending on your uh, definition of ex- has some demons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the- I had a really hard time when they go to the movie theater, but the games in the movie theater were so on point, the theme. I think they go to a a weird movie theater and they have a whole, like, everyone's into Peter song, which is great. Oh, are you? Well, I kind of want to. Do you want to sit next to? I'm going to sit on the aisle if that's cool. Oh, yeah. Totally cool. I should sit next to him because I have to pee a lot. Oh yeah, for sure, but um, actually I always get scared of movies, so oh. so I should probably be next to Peter. Problem being, if the demon comes, you know I should really be there the to protect Peter. You never know, I'm just saying, shouldn't yeah, take chances. Yeah, I hear chances. what you're saying, but I think you're being a bit ridiculous. <laughs> okay. If we all just acted like adults. Oh my god, we forgot the popcorn. Emily, Ooh, do you uh, mind? I'm allergic, so... The popcorn, yeah, really? Yeah, I can't even touch it, but if you want any... I should probably skip the carbs anyway. All that butter. Movie's about to start. Can you please sit down? Of course. Damn. What I loved about the movie theater was you play games like tapping to make people move closer and closer to the screen so they can glare at each other in close up. <laughs> you play like sniper games, you're dodging cars. All of them are action movie things. Um, and tons of things you've seen in games before, like jumping on transit, but the jokes are on point. Um, that glare mini game I was atrocious at, but I also couldn't stop laughing because every time you tap, one of the two characters moves up and goes, doom. And then they just stare at each other and slowly go off screen. (laughs) It's like a 10 second mini game. And it, again, one that killed me so many times, but I loved the concept. I didn't like the song for that one as much, but the, the underscore is so movie trailer. Is it this? Yeah. Just the movie trailer score. I like the title on the soundtrack. This is called Pirates Intercepting Knights of Dark. <laughs> yep. It's every trailer you've ever seen. I think this just showcases how like orchestrated it is, right? Yeah. How produced. Yeah. Well, I'll go ahead and cut that off. <laughs> but yeah, that's there's so many like all the songs that play underneath the activities, you know, underneath the uh, the mini games are excellent. I really, uh, I I didn't love all of the games for the uh, for the the video game studio scene. 
Um, but I really did like the music for it. I mean, they were all parodies of crappy iPhone games, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I really got... Uh, as in real life, I got stuck on uh, Flappy Bird. Yeah, oh my god, why did they put Flappy Bird in this game? I hated that. <laughs> I really like that. Yeah. So great music underneath all of the mini games, uh, in addition to the full like musical theater songs. They're all really fun. So I want to say, first of all, that I probably would not have gotten all the way through the game if I wasn't playing it uh, with Molly the entire time. She's a lot better at these little Twitch games than I am. So we'd kind of pass the phone back and forth. Uh, and it was like watching a TV show and then having a really difficult little game in between. Um, so it was a good game to play with, uh, play with someone. And one of my favorite songs in the game is actually an instrumental, but it's one that Dar uh, Danny Baranowski did. And just such a huge fan of him. Uh, it plays at the end of the game. And if you're a fan of Crypto the Necrodancer, then this will sound super familiar to you as well. Uh, the name of the song is Worst Party Ever Cast, or no, Best Party Ever Cast Party. That's the rest of the podcast. Yeah. It's just that's good. It's, 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 it's just awesome. bobbing our heads to that song. The uh, the funny thing though too is so if you ever played Crypto Crypto the Necrodancer, especially on a uh, like a, a tablet, um, you know that you're like that game is a rhythm game. Everything has to be tapped on the beat, and like uh, Danny Baranowski's music is like really pulsing like that. It really feels like you should be playing exactly on the beat. But the games that are going on while that song is happening Ooh. are not always rhythmic. Like, there's one that you do have to tap the screen, but it's at, like, a random like a random meter, not, like, a nice four on the floor. And both Molly and I would find ourselves, like, tapping instinctually to the beat and then <laughs> screwing up the minigame. Oof. Uh, and having to, like, detach it. It was, it was difficult. Uh, but also, like such a good song that you didn't carry like i'd rather just keep losing and being able to listen to this song that's a really good song and i'm really glad they reached out to <laughs> danny baranowski for this he's so ah he's so good um so we've kind of talked about what our favorite scenes or songs or moments are from it we haven't really talked a whole lot about the actual mini games themselves does anybody have like a favorite or anything that stood out to you about the mini games here i was surprised how hard some of them were i mean a lot of the mechanics are things that you've seen in other games or mini games, like a car driving on a road and you go to one side, uh, some kind of crossy road or Frogger spinoff. However, there are a lot that are unique. And the thing about this genre, this micro game genre is that the little roulette wheel spins, it lands and sometimes you're told how to solve it. And sometimes you are not told how to solve it. And sometimes you don't even know what you're looking at by the time you're trying to just, you know, 
quickly sort the laundry, draw the pentagram, whatever you're asked to do. Feed the demon. <laughs> Feed the packing peanuts to the demon. Why not? All the things you're asked to do, you just don't, you kind of have to go on instinct. And I've played a lot of these games before, but I was just reminded anew that uh, I'm not that good at them. And it will take me a couple times. I got stuck at the one of the later stages, the castle, played about 10 times or so, walked away the next day, picked it up, beat it on the first try. So it's just like any other game like that that yeah. you never know. That's been my experience, too, with these sorts of things. Like, I got really, really stymied by uh, the final bit of the, what is it, the um, the the apartment level. And uh, then mm-hmm. Laura kind of gave me a tip, and then I, I beat it immediately after she gave me a tip. So it just sort of sometimes takes a little bit of a push. Um, that's actually something also about the minigame structure here that I think is kind of unique, or at least pretty well presented here. Every scene, you have to beat... 15 mini games in quick succession or micro games, I guess is the appropriate term uh, in order to progress the story. You have to beat 15 games without losing three times. So three losses before you hit 15 successes and you're booted back out. Um, And then usually the 15th one is a unique one. So it'll be a random shuffle through a selection of mini games. Usually there'll be some variations and that's actually pretty neat. Sometimes they do some very clever variations on the mini games that you, you know, maybe you've played through this mini game five or six times, but suddenly there's a variation that you haven't seen. But but the final one is always something specific to that scene that is specific to like it's only the the 15th thing. And mm-hmm. um, that's where I kept getting stuck. Sometimes those are really hard because they require a little more figuring out than most of the other mini games. So I I'd find myself getting stuck on that sort of final bit a little bit, um, which could be a little frustrating because you have to play well perfectly or pretty much perfectly up to get to that 15th spot before you even have a shot at that mini game. And then getting to that and feeling like, I don't know what to do in that last final second of your run is a little frustrating, but once you get over it, it's, you know, once you, once you figure it out, it's, it's, it's a, fun way to to structure this to have kind of like a climactic yeah. mini game it is a little panicky when you get to 15 for the first time because you've been playing repeatedly these you know how many you think there are three to six total or like four to six total different games yeah, i think so that you're shuffling through Maybe somewhere eight. on there yeah. and and you're yeah and you're getting good at them because you pretty much unless it's a really simple one some of them are simply just tap fast on the screen uh, you're probably not going to beat it the first time. The first time you see it, it's just like figuring it out. Then you figure it out. Then you figure them out. And then you figure them out. Then you get like a lucky run of the ones that you're good at. And then you get to 15 for the first time. And it's like, oh, it's like totally something totally different. And you have to uh, learn it real quick. Also, we didn't say that there's every five successes, they speed up mm, yeah. the game. And so these are, are already... What do you think it starts at? Like eight seconds to win? Yeah, no more than it's, ten seconds per. Yeah, and um, most of them, most of them are not super complicated. But some of the games take that full ten seconds or so to do. Like a lot of, for me, the matching ones. You know, they'd show you a shape, mm-hmm. and you have to combine other shapes to match that shape or something like that. There were a few that kind of fit that mold, and those always took me like right down to the wire. Like I, I almost never managed to like do those with time to spare. Yeah. And then by the end, these same games 
uh, and everything is sped up. So if there's like action on the screen, it's going faster um, or like five seconds. So what's really nice about it is it takes uh, they've made that re that gameplay loop really quickly repeatable. Uh, as soon as you lose, there's not like a long uh, action that you have to do. You can watch the death scene that they the little number that they put together for it. But usually at the first after the first time, yeah. or there's a big button on there that says skip. So no, I think probably what most people do is you watch it the first time. It's funny if it's a really good song. There's a couple that I would play a few times, but for the most part, you just hit skip and then hit skip again. And you're right back into the gameplay loop. It's really easy to just take like shot after shot after shot. And each, like even a success, you actually beat the round is what, like a minute and a half Mm -hmm. of, of like gameplay. So this definitely fits our, our mold for a lot of reasons, but it makes it really easy to put down like, Oh, that one was really hard. I'm going to put it down for, 20 minutes and then or the next day or whatever and you know like most twitch puzzle games just a a break can sometimes make you so much better than just like hammering away at it for uh you know until you're frustrated sorry i I think there's kind of a inherent tension with this game in terms of how we play it we've talked a lot on this show about uh subway games the kind of game you can kind of grab and play with one hand uh but there are games that like like this I could probably play I kind of pick up and play style but I also so much of the experience comes from the music uh that I would never risk opening this app in a public place just <laughs> for fear yeah. of having the music blare out of the speaker in an in an elevator uh, Not to mention the so, games are too hard so, to play on the I, That's what I'm thinking point, yeah. I if I would pull this game out and I was anywhere else than like sitting it it tensed on my couch i would like the bus could be on fire and i would be more focused (laughs) on beating these little twitch games and i would be about surviving the fire it's it is requires that like type of attention where like for like a minute and a half you're gonna be staring very intently at the little moving objects on your screen uh, and yes. I think that's a great balance with how joyful and silly and, and fun this game is. It feels like an actual, when you beat it, you're like, like, oh, that was a challenge. And now I get to see uh, several more awesome songs. Makes you want to sing yourself. It's a good reward. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. M- yeah. A musical number is a great way to transition from one <laughs> game to another. It's great. Uh, so yeah. we talked about sort of how the game plays and how it approaches free to play. And we've talked about a few of our, of our favorite scenes. Uh, There's not a whole lot to say about other aspects of the game that we haven't touched on. The art is serviceable pixel art. Uh, Reminds me a little bit of like, um, what's that comic? Is it like diesel sweeties or something like that? Do you know the one I'm talking about? I know the one you're thinking of. Yeah, it does look like that. Yeah. It looks a lot like that sort of big headed pixel art uh, portrait style uh, graphics. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot to the, the art style here, uh, but it's fine. It works for what it's, yeah. what it's doing. So this could be Laura now talks for 20 minutes about theater references in this game, but I'm not going to do that, even though I think it's really interesting. I just want to give a couple shout outs to some things that people might have heard of. Uh, if you heard of the musical Fun Home, uh, the girl who I plays Emily, um, is actually Medium Allison, who is one of the best songs in the show. I'm changing my major to Joan. Unlike this game, that song is not safe for work. So don't listen to it if you're in a work setting. 
It's beautiful, but it's a uh, quite dirty. Fun Home is um, a great musical. So Fun Home good. is wonderful. Yeah, um, and that makes sense too. Like the the I don't know if she's the same uh, version of of um, Allison that I saw when I saw Fun Home. I don't think so, but the voice fits a hundred percent. She's real young, and it's great. Um, I think. The other thing is a lot of the songs are parodies. And for example, uh, Gideon, who is uh, a friend who works at the Neverland Pier, literally opens his song by singing, ladies and gentlemen, exactly like the start of Paroly's Miracle Elixir from Sweeney Todd. So, you know, <laughs> it's there's just lots of little things like that. Um, you know, I. Apartment 4C is called the Age of Sagittarius because it's basically hair and all the mini games are <laughs> weird, trippy, you know, move, you know, one of them is heel and you have to move aura stones onto Peter's body. <laughs> that one was hard. <laughs> that one was hard. Uh, but I love the melding where uh, there are so many games with game references I love a game that melds both game references and genre references this hardcore because I'm sure there's things I even missed and I'm a you know, big old geek. Absolutely. So. And the songs, even if they aren't specifically referencing other musicals, they are aping the style of other musicals in a really like uh, in, in a way that makes it clear how much the developer of this loves and the composer, I assume as well, just love musical theater and, are you know bringing a wealth of musical theater knowledge to this project that just it, it really it it oozes with like passion project vibe you know oddly it, the best coverage of the game references was from Broadway World <laughs> they were the ones who were crediting like all of the game composers that huh. were brought onto this project was from Broadway World so shout out to broadwayworld.com Awesome. We'll try to link to the Broadway World article about this. Oh, it's covered in ads. It's just like it's got more ads than a porn site. But Broadway World at least (laughs) had good journalism. (laughs) Awesome. Interesting crossover that this is. I'm sure this is probably the only game that Broadway World has deigned to cover. (laughs) So I have a question for you guys. What other types of games would be the best musical theater crossovers? I mean, dating sim, uh, it's the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> I can't think of any boss dating battle sim. in any game that wouldn't be improved by an intro song. Yeah, beat-em-ups would be fun. I, I would just love a big musical Telltale game. Oh, yeah, you're right. A Telltale game would be perfect. But the problem there, I guess, would, well, no, I don't know. I think it'd probably work fine because, you know, once you get to the end of the song, you you make your choice about whether they they live or die, and then you probably just move on. <laughs> Guys, you buy the license to the Warriors and you make a side-scrolling beat-em-up game where each gang has their own musical theater track. There you go. That would be the thing. I love that we're inclu- we're buying the Warriors for oh, this. yes, because <laughs> yes, Not a musical. Because <laughs> you get to say, Warriors, come out to play. Well, unfortunately, the Warriors video game rights are already uh, wrapped up. I don't know if yeah. you ever played it, but there was a really good uh, PlayStation 2 a uh, game from Rockstar based on yeah, the, the Warriors. They give them to me if I ask nicely. Uh, I'm sure they I would. I just love that we're taking the Warriors, turning it into a musical, and then turning it into a game. <laughs> if I've learned anything from this, is that if you show up at Rockstar's office and you sing to them about how much you want it, then you'll get it. <laughs> yes, definitely. Undoubtedly. 
Yeah, I would I would love to see more of this. I mean, it's got to be an enormous amount of work. And there's the very real chance that it completely falls on its face or turns off a significant number of, you know, haters. But I would love to see more musical theater style stuff. Well, knowing that Broadway con exists, like people who like musical theater are a they still buy physical things. Like That's they will true. buy soundtracks. They will buy albums. If you give them something that is made for them, they'll pick up an iPhone game and pay for it. So they will buy tickets that cost sometimes hundreds of dollars. So yeah. 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 They'll pay $3 for a side project. Yeah. I would also argue that even if you're not a huge musical, if you're a game fan, you don't have to be a musical fan to enjoy this. Yeah. So if you're listening to this show and you're like, man, I do not care about musicals. These songs aren't really funny. I think you might still enjoy it. At the very least, it's free. Like, give it a shot. Um, it's it is it's still it's really fun and it's really challenging. And I think that's what makes it appeal to more than just like musical theater people. That is definitely the best demographic, but I think it has a little bit broader range. Absolutely. So I've had a lot of fun talking about this. Is there a song that we want to go out with as we roll towards talking about what's making us happy this week? Oh, man, I I don't know. So many good ones. I'm still thrown by how young the guy who sings the Peanut Packing Factory song is. Oh, he's like 22. I love the peanut sounds like song. he's a 60 year old man. It's wonderful. What a voice on that guy. What a voice. Can we can we hear him in this? Can we just play him? Yes. Somehow. Here he comes. Who dares enter without an appointment? Um, I just wanted to speak up. Um, I just need some funding for my theater. Uh, where am I? You're in the packing peanut factory. What? I love packing peanuts, packing peanuts are my thing. It's like a home of styrofoam and I'm the peanut king. They're cushy, squishy, noodle fun, I'm sure that you'll agree. So I'll help you if you help me in my packing peanut factory. I guess I could do that. Yippee! In my packing peanut factory. There we go. I like the verse where he says how he likes to rub the peanuts on his face. Yes. <laughs> it's just very good. Very, very good. He's wonderful. He's really, really great. And this game obviously has been making me very happy this week. But as we've been doing each week with the show, uh, we've been discussing something other than the game that's been making us happy this week. So, Nate, what is making you happy this week? I've got another food thing to talk about. I got a sous vide. A couple weeks ago. Are you familiar prime with what that sous-vide? is? It is a prime day sous vide. Great call. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I've been, I've been eyeing them for a while. Um, and the one that is considered to be one of the best ones had a crazy prime day sale. So almost 50% off. So purchased it. And for those who don't know, it's a, uh, precision water cooker. Um, it basically, I've never had any trouble cooking water before. How does it know? <laughs> you didn't know. You didn't know. You had to be. You could be so precise. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if precision water cooker is the right name for it either. I think there's a better name. Uh, better they something that describes it better. But there, um, there's no good word for it. That's why they had to make up a bullshit <laughs> French word like sous vide. <laughs> yeah. 
I could listen to you burn sous vides all day. <laughs> <laughs> you can't burn sous vide. That's the whole point. <laughs> I didn't hear. I didn't bring this up to start a fight. Um, it's this big wand. They call it a wand, but it's way bigger. I, I thought it'd be smaller when I first bought it. But uh, gets the water to exactly said. the temperature that you want. Then you can cook stuff in it. It allows you to cook meat and veggies to like for a lot longer and to exactly the perfect temperature that you want. And it's been awesome. I've made some chicken, made some steak, uh, made burgers in it the other day. It's just so good. I definitely recommend if you're into that sort of thing, looking it up and getting one. I really do want to get one because I've always seen like, you know, like that you're, you can use them for steaks and it brings the steak to this perfect, like rare. And then you do just like a 10 second sear on both sides and you yeah, get this perfect It gets steak. the whole steak to exactly the temperature that you want it to be. I want to do that. Yeah, it's fantastic. You can do hard-boiled eggs. Um, again, and not just meat, though. Like, veggies, you can get them exactly cooked. It's it's awesome. Awesome. Well, the thing that's been making me happy this week uh, ties a bit into the game, actually, because uh, this game featured a demon. And the thing that's been making me very happy this week is I got into a new webcomic and binge-read the whole thing. And it is the webcomic Kill Six Billion Demons. Uh if you uh, if you haven't seen or read anything about Kill Six Billion Demons before, uh, I'll give you the very brief uh, sort of pitch for it. It's a webcomic that is gorgeously illustrated with full color, incredibly detailed art. The art is phenomenal, unlike anything you've seen in a webcomic before. It's also arranged to be read in a sort of a... Um, uh, graphic novel kind of way. It doesn't read like a webcomic. It reads like a graphic novel with good pacing, which is rare in webcomics. And the story is, uh, it follows Allison, a typical sorority girl with sort of nerdy tendencies, who uh, is just about to lose her virginity with her hot boyfriend when suddenly uh, extra dimensional creatures burst into the room and shove a magical glowing key into her head. And she finds herself okay. in the, in the uh, bizarre fantasy world of throne, a world in which God is dead and demons and angels in criminal gangs are fighting for turf on the corpse. And that's the story. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's super trippy and strange and the art is fantastic. And it, I've actually started reading it before and put it down because the beginning, I'll kind of give you a little warning. You have to read pretty far into the first quote unquote book of it before the, the world building of it starts making sense because it really dazzles you at the start with sort of bizarre imagery, bizarre characters, uh, doesn't drop a lot of information playing on the, uh, on the fact that like Allison is in over her depth. She doesn't know what's going on. Uh, but once you start getting a grasp on what's going on, it's a phenomenal fantasy world, one that I would love to see like a D&D game, play like a D&D game type thing in. It's it's a super cool fantasy world with lots of good lore, if you like that sort of thing. And some great characters, uh, including like a cool blue demon who also happens to be a fan fiction writer and, you know, criminal demons and, and, uh, criminal angels. And it's, it's trippy, very trippy, good stuff. So my recommend of the week, what's been making me happy is kill 6 billion demons. Reagan, I has turned me on to this, this comic and I really like it. I, I have to throw out there. Like when I start first started reading it, I thought just looking at the art, I, I instantly thought that it was a comic by James uh, Stokey, 
uh, who or Stoke Stoke. Yeah, I think it's Stokey is his name, uh, who did one of my favorite comics of all time called Orc Stain. And uh, yeah, I, I, I was super excited because this guy doesn't do a lot of comics, but, you know, it, it's just this same really Baroque uh, kind of gross style that's that I that I love in comics. So I'm really getting into it, too. Yeah, like ultra detailed, sometimes beautiful, but more often like deliberately kind of uh, gorgeously ugly. It's really cool. Definitely. So, Laura, what is making you happy this week? So this week, I've been really happy with Binge Mode Harry Potter. It's a podcast from The Ringer. They did Game of Thrones, where they, if you uh, have been hurting for Game of Thrones content in the offseason, you can go back and listen to every single TV episode has a dedicated episode from Binge Mode, and they put them out four times a week. But now they're doing Harry Potter, and the they're in the middle of Goblet of Fire. They've just done the... Um, I guess spoilers, light spoilers for Goblet of Fire. Um, they just this did book the that came out when we were what in middle school. <laughs> yeah. They just did the section at the end of the third task, the Triwizard Tournament, and uh, and one of the hosts did while she was reading, you know, cry a little bit. It was very lovely. But the way they do this is they've got an incredible structure. They do a quick like one minute plot summary. They then announce a theme for the week and then they go through the plot and analyze it in terms of the week. For example, this week today it was loss of innocence, which is, you know, a great theme for those four chapters, analyze it. They do, um, you know, seven things they saw in it, which they can pull from any Harry Potter canon. And they always do kind of a in detail, um, description of something for this one it was death eaters um on the game of thrones version of it they called it the maester's tower and they would go into uh some history thing that you wouldn't get if you just watched the tv show so it's not only a really interesting podcast but they've got the format so slickly done that um i loved the game of thrones stuff i love their off season where they would talk about for example jessica jones but this harry potter one is they both love it so much and as adults and they recognize the problems in it too. So it's not like a lot of other stuff where people are just blindly praising. Um, that said, they, you know, they call out Dumbledore. They have running jokes. For example, my favorite one is that uh, McGonagall is a diehard Quidditch better. <laughs> and they call her McGallion. Hmm. And so like every time she's talking with someone else, they're like, you know, uh, She'll talk to a goblin. They're like, it's because she's in the hole because she's been betting so much on the Gryffindor Quidditch Cup. Like, you know, she they're a sports website. I think this is, I do not know sports, but The Ringer is mostly a sports website. So they go real hard on Quidditch. They love talking about how much of a stupid jock Harry can be that he'd rather like just play Quidditch than do anything to save his ass from Voldemort. It's really funny. Um, if you like Harry Potter, listen to that. If you like Game of Thrones, go to the back catalog. Um, can't recommend it enough. Now that it's coming out daily, it is getting me through some really dull data entry at work. (laughs) The hour and a half episode ends and I'm like, oh man, I still have another four hours of data entry. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. And Shane, what is making you happy this week? Uh, this is going to be a personal one this week because uh, I haven't had that much time for the broader world of media. But the thing that's making me very happy this week 
is my boy turned one uh, just a couple days ago. Woo. We had uh, we had ourselves a little party. Uh, my 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 wife planned this amazing amazing uh, birthday party for us and uh, shared it with his little cousin. Um, I didn't know that this was a thing, but everyone I've talked to all, did know that this is a thing. Uh, of a something called a smash, smash cake. cake. Yeah, you, you guys know smash cakes. Okay, so a smash cake for people like me who are uninitiated uh, is basically you just get a small cake and you put it in front of your baby and you let them just sort of smash it and uh, make a huge mess. And uh, yeah, it was this the cutest thing I've ever seen uh, when he <laughs> did that. And so you know, this is. This is just me going on and on about my offspring, but he's getting bigger and he's uh, so much more of a little person now. He's got all his little wants and, and desires and he really communicates them. He's starting to do a little teeny tiny bit of talking and an awful lot of pointing and grunting. And uh, it's it just really makes me happy. So Aww. that's my week. Awesome. He's a good boy. We all love him. Very good boy. Now, other people here have very good, uh, very good offspring as well. So I'm not gonna say my child is the best, but he is. Yes. <laughs> I was just thinking, like any cake can be a smash cake if you want it to be. If you're oh, brave yeah. enough. Any cake that Ty eats would be a smash cake. Very cute photos from that. Maybe we'll stick one in the show notes if we can. If we can get a, a signed release from Tynan. I'll ask him. And thank you guys for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. I had a great time playing Peter Panic, and I hope everybody goes and checks that out. It's, of course, on the App Store on iOS and Android, and it is free to download uh, and $3 if you want to unlock the very important saving feature. Uh, I have been Reagan Kelly, and you can find me on the internet at Reagan K on Twitter, and you can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net or on Twitter at underscore shortgame. That's a great place to let us know what you think of this episode. If you have any tips, hot tips on great short games that we ought to be playing, uh, thanks for sending all of the great tips that have been coming our way. We really appreciate those. You can also go to our website, www.theshortgame.net, and go to the contact page, and there's a form there if you want to send a longer message. Uh, Laura, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. Shane, where can people find you? Also on Twitter at, at 8BitShane. And Nate, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at NateSTL. And also, I'm happy to do my favorite thing on the show, which is talk about a, a good review that we got from someone. So I want to give a shout out to... Bring it! Drew192 from the UK. International, y'all. Uh, they say easily my favorite podcast. Well, Drew192, you are easily my favorite person. Thank you for uh, your wonderful review. We really, really appreciate it. Um, said a lot of nice things. And if you're out there listening, we'd love to hear from you as well. Um, iTunes reviews. Yes, leave us a review on iTunes if you can. That's the best way to support the show. Uh, as you've probably noticed, we don't do a Patreon. We don't play ads we don't do any of those traditional podcast things but we love itunes reviews and we also specifically love it when you tell a friend about the show uh, that is the best way to get the word out about the show and that is the best thing to to do to make us happy so thank you for saying thank you drew for making us happy this week 
And uh, thank you, all of our listeners, for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.